This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. There's so many. Has anyone been to them all? Not likely. I want to be the first one to see them all. Truly wonderful the mind of a child is. Come on. Hmm? When you find people who need your help, you help them. No matter what. Good luck. We have hope. Hope that things can get better. And they will. Stand up together. Because that's when we're strongest. As one. You won't be going alone. You'll have a friend with you. No. I'll have a Jedi with me. You might want to buckle up, baby. Rise, rise in the force. Take care of this little one. It'll take care of you. We had each other. That's how we won. Force is strong in my family. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. What is it they've sent us? Hope. It's another episode of Newcomers. I'm Nicole Byer. And I'm Lauren Lapkus. And we've never seen Star Wars. Well, that's not true. We've now seen all of it. (laughs) Yep. We've seen almost all of the content. We've seen all nine movies. We've seen the holiday special. We've seen more things I can't think of. Uh, uh, Um, uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. Um, (laughs) Rise of Skywalker. I guess that's part of the canon. (laughs) Look, we know it all, baby. We... We know everything. I mean, so we have been breaking down Star Wars media for months now. Yes. Um, we often have on a fun friend. We are, well, we always do. We're so excited because this week is the time where we can finally say, may the 4th be with you. Yes, because, I mean, it comes out after May 4th, but 
tomorrow is may may the fourth be with you <laughs> yes and you know it's star wars week so we're celebrating by retrospecting our experiences completing the series and we're also going to explore a huge part of the star wars franchise the toys yes but first we have some huff goss so Oprah Magazine named newcomers one of their top 25 comedy podcasts to binge right now. Okay, how excited were you? First of all, I have to brag for both of us because we were both on the list multiple times, which was amazing. I was like, somebody cool (laughs) is working at Oprah because they seem to really Uh get it. Um, This was thrilling for me. Uh, Were you freaking out? I was so excited and so happy, but then also devastated because Oprah and Gail passed on doing Best Friends, my podcast <laughs> with Sajir. <laughs> like, they didn't not answer. They flat out were like, no. And we were like, that's worse than just not doing no, it. No, no. I actually think getting a no is more respectful. You think? Than not responding. Okay. Fair. I guess that's our- my belief because that. To me, that means they actually saw it. They like got the message. They like thought about it. And then they, you, okay, our guest is saying, Are shaking you- his head. I, I actually really want to hear what he has to say about this because I, I, I've had this debate with myself because I have, as a podcast host, I've gotten resp- like no response from people sometimes and it makes me feel bad. Mm. And then if I get a no, I'm like, okay, like I don't care. I feel like it's better to hear back so I don't have the lingering feeling of would they have done it if I asked them again? Like, mm-hmm. I don't like to be asked twice, so I'll say no if I don't want to do it, but I'll say yes if I do want to do it. I don't know. I just think responding is good. Fair. Connor, what do you think? We got it. Well, well, let's we should just our introduce guest. Connor. Okay. Our, <laughs> guest, our guest today is a very funny actor and comedian. He's He's been seen on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Search Party, and Orange is the New Black. He's the creator of the George Lucas talk show, where he interviews real guests pretending to be George Lucas. And he now hosts the podcast Dead Eyes, where he investigates why Tom Hanks fired him <laughs> from a role in Band of Brothers, which is so it's funny so to me. Funny. The podcast is great. And he's the subject of an upcoming documentary. I'm George Lucas, a Connor Ratliff story. Welcome to the show. Connor Ratliff, this Thank is the you. funniest oh intro. Oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> Please tell me what you were thinking when I was saying that a response, a no is better than no response. I think there's some relief in a no because it is an answer. And uh, yet there's hope in a non-answer because yes. you can always think maybe they didn't see it and maybe they would love to be on it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's true. But that can be dangerous too. Sometimes you just got to get on with your life and you know my whole po- my whole Dead Eyes podcast is about looking for an answer. And so <laughs> That's the thing I, like I, you think you would want the no. Yeah. The, there is the no puts you out of your misery, but there's you can it's sometimes nice to cling to that hope that it's like well maybe Oprah and Gail the they would have loved to do the podcast but their people never got it to them you know mm, yeah but that's yeah. a dangerous thing too you know hope is a dangerous thing hope. but see my feeling with like with your podcast Nicole is like Oprah and Gail saying no is is not like disrespectful to your podcast because it's probably more about their fear that they're going to like share too much mm. like they have mm-hmm. they have really curated like how they share their relationship and it's like edited by their teams like anytime they're on like a show together like they have control about what is shown and you would be like getting crazy shit out of them that they would end up saying you know but have you ever heard the intro to gail's old radio show no i don't think so she describes i don't know if you can still find it i heard it truly one time she describes like her first slumber party with Oprah. She was like, it was raining so hard. I don't, I didn't think I could drive. Oh, yes. I've yes. heard this story. Where she was like, but I can't stay. I don't have any panties. And Oprah was like, where am I? And <laughs> okay, I didn't know that part. 
I'm 100% sure this is true. And I haven't made it up. Okay, wait. I love that so much because you can just wear your underwear for like an yes. extra day. Like, <laughs> Yes. It made me laugh so hard. I was like, why? Every time you sleep at someone's home, you have a fresh pair of underwear? That's hilarious. That really speaks to their relationship, though. <laughs> I think so. Have you ever shared underwear with a friend? I haven't. Never. I, I don't, well, maybe I have once. No, I don't think so, though. I can confidently say my whole life I've been wearing my own. <laughs> I think once. Yeah. But it was like a fresh pair. It was brand new. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way for that to work, really. Yeah. I don't think I'd feel like I really needed to change mine that bad. I'd rather just not have any <laughs> underwear at all. Yeah. Imagine the mess you made that you're like, I need a new <laughs> pair and I don't care who it belongs to. That's so weird. <laughs> <sighs> I'm so obsessed. I got to go see Oprah at her big tour. I'm so jealous. It was the best day ever. And it was right before the quarantine, actually. It was only like a week or two before this all happened. So I feel so lucky that it didn't get shut down because it was the best. You guys have, Wait, you guys have, did you go? You guys have really moved on from Star Wars. You guys, <laughs> you can tell you guys have you got this to the end not, of the you, saga. This is not normal. This is not normal. We typically only talk about no. Star Wars. Wait, before we talk about Star Wars, did you go the day that Oprah fell? Yes, I was there. And it was truly. You saw that in person? It was the most terrifying Connor. She was talking. Okay. She's, she's speaking on stage. What will be five hours of the day. She really talks at great length during her tour. She, okay. So she's on stage. She's in front of this like, um, projector that says the word balance. (laughs) She's about to talk about finding balance in your life. And then she literally like takes like a couple steps. You can tell she's falling. She's going, she's going down. There's no one on stage. It's a huge stage. There's no one there. She has nothing to hold on to. She just falls. And my friend, Laura and Ashley Smith and I, we turned to each other and we're like, oh my God, it was like, she's gonna die. Like it was, it was like, you just didn't know what was gonna happen. Like there was like no one mm-hmm. running up to save her. It was like a long time while she was like laying there. Oh no. It felt like so, it felt like forever. And then she stood up and she was like, Jesus, you're funny. You make me fall when I'm talking about balance. And it was like the funniest thing. She's like so cool mm. about it. Then everyone's like, take off your shoes. And then she like did. And she's like, I should have been like this the whole uh, time. It was just like the cutest. Ugh, I just love her. I love that. And then after Both the show. Both of your Oprah stories sound like dreams to me. Yes. And then after the show, <laughs> she posted in her Instagram that she was icing her leg. And I was like, see, she was in pain the whole show. And she didn't even let us know. She just uh. spoke like an amazing speaker for five hours. And I was like. This is the best day of my life. But anyway. She's legendary. I love her so much. She's perfect. She's she's the best. That story transitions nicely because Star Wars is all about bringing balance to the Force. Mm. I love that. What is your relationship to Star Wars? Well, it's interesting because listening to you guys, and I love this podcast, and I I loved following you on your journey through all of this. Um I my, one of my first memories is of seeing the very first Star Wars when I was three years old in a theater, and it was they it was the year after it came out, so it was still in they would re released it in 1978, and I remember seeing it in the theater, and I remember um, being confused by uh, I loved it, but I I remember being confused by why Obi Wan let Darth Vader kill him. That's my first clear memory. As I remember as a kid being like, why'd he do that? So your first clear memory is about Star Wars, like mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. Wow. And oh. and the interesting thing is, 
I was thinking about this recently that, you know, I'm three years old and there's one Star Wars movie. And I had no idea about the holiday special at the time. I didn't learn about that until decades later (laughs) when it became like a cult thing. So then a couple years later, Empire Strikes Back comes out. So now I'm five and there's two movies. But you basically you see the movie in the theater and then you just have the memory of it. You don't see you don't there's no VCA there's no um VHS tapes that you can watch at home. It doesn't like if it airs on I don't know when it first aired on TV. So uh and then by the the, the by the time Return of the Jedi comes out, it's like nineteen eighty three. You know, years have gone by. And you really only have these three movies. And I spent so much time as a kid just imagining and thinking about them. And maybe they're, you know, like books and comics and toys, but you like mole, they like sort of circulated in your mind as these mysterious experiences that you'd have maybe once, maybe twice, if your parents let you go see the movie a second time in the theater. Compared to now, where if you're a kid and you like Star Wars, you know, you got your work cut out for you. You got to watch nine movies and there are video <laughs> games and books. Like there's just so much. Uh, to get invested in it, whereas most of my time as a kid, my relationship to Star Wars was playing Star Wars. See, I think that's so important because, like, I I feel like that's like really wholesome, and also like your approach to it is just um, it's so imagination based. Yeah, like you're you experience it once, and then you like live in the world of it in your mind. Which and it also that's just what being a kid is. Where when we're talking about these things now and the way the like adults respond to these films now, it's like so aggressive and so negative. Yes. Yeah. There's also a thing that happens, which is so you cut to the late '90s or cut to the mid '90s when Lucas started doing all the special editions and changing them, and that's when my relationship to Star Wars sort of shift a little because I didn't really like I like the new polished up effects. But I didn't like any of the new content that was added. Like when they add the, the mm-hmm. extra scenes and change things in ways that I, I, I got the sense that like maybe I'm not going to like it when they make a new Star Wars movie. Like maybe it's not for me anymore. And then when the prequels came out, um, by the time they came out, I had already started doing a George Lucas character with my friends for fun. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a way of inoculating ourselves against disappointment because – we built this thing up. We've been waiting for such a long time for the new movies to come out. And then I realized, like, they maybe not, they won't be good. You know, they might not be what we want them to be. And so by the time the prequels came out, I wasn't angry. I thought it was fun and funny. Like, the parts I didn't like, I was like, this is crazy. Because, <laughs> like, Jar Jar Binks is the biggest swing in the world. Like, George Lucas, when he made Phantom Menace... It was a guaranteed home run movie. All he had to make, if he'd made a movie like Force Awakens and released it in the late 90s, people would have lost their minds that, oh, it's another Star Wars movie. Instead, he he gave up so much of that movie to like, I have this idea for this like bonkers comedy character. He's going to like <laughs> step in shit and he's going to say, squeeze me. And you know, like it's just, he, this is a guy who's doing what he wanted to do. And he doesn't care what anybody, like, and he also says these are kids' movies. So, like, guys in their 20s or 30s or 40s who don't like the prequels, you know, like, a lot of a lot of them got very angry. Just like a lot of people, when the Disney movies came out, a lot of the people who are angriest about those, it really has to do with where you are in your life and whether you can handle not liking a kid's movie that you liked when you were a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, can I, you said this a while ago. The Star Wars holiday special is the second movie, theoretically? Yeah. 
I mean, that's yeah. that's truly insane of George Lucas to be like, everyone loved this. Now let me make this. Like, well, it's just he, such a weird move. He, I think it was sort of like the story of Lucas is the story of not having control and then gaining control, and then the the perils of having complete control. Because yeah, wait, it almost that, is with like the holiday special. Did he get his name taken off of it or something? I feel like there was something like that that we found out. That was sort of the last thing where he didn't have control over it. Like they had signed a deal, and they had to do this holiday special, and he sort of washed his hands of it. It was not he has he hates the holiday special. He it, he didn't have really anything to do with it, or very little to do with it, and and then. By the time the prequels came out, he had complete control, but he also didn't have anyone saying, like, don't do this or don't do that, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, he made a movie called American Graffiti in the 70s, which is a great, great movie. It's nothing like Star Wars, even though Harrison Ford has a little part in it. And it's such a good movie, and the head of Universal hated it, and he didn't want to release it. And he only released it, like, grudgingly because Francis Ford Coppola, like, threatened it. He was like, I'll buy it and I'll release it. And then it was this monster hit and Lucas, you could see like he was like, I never want to be in that position again where I make a really good movie and then I'm at the mercy of some studio. Mm-hmm. So Everything after that is sort of like about him like trying to get up to a position where he can like make the movies he wants to make without having like some executive give him notes and tell him like, no, we, you can't. We don't like this. Or you got to change it. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Yeah. OK, so I heard. That George Lucas's wife helped with a lot of the editing and just making of the first three movies or six through wait no four, four five six yeah <laughs> yeah we're uh, we're trying that one is very hard for us I think the number it's so hard because it, it's the first ones we watched but uh, did his wife was he still with his wife during the prequels no because the prequels are so different well she was a she was a great editor and I think one of the Oscar nominations that st- the first Star Wars A New Hope got was for editing and I think sh- I think they got divorced around the time maybe around the time of Return of the Jedi so the third movie they made mm. and it was an, ex- an example of like she was very I think crucial to certain things that worked in in a lot of his early movies was like she was an extra voice of like well you know how about this part or how about that part you know by the time you get to F- Attack of the Clones, I don't know that you have a lot of people saying, like, wait a second, like, mm-hmm. what's the what's the engine of this story, you know? It's just, they're so tonally different. It's so wild to me. Yeah. Did you like the the last three movies? I or... like most of the, the Disney Star Wars movies. They feel like Star Wars movies to me. And if there's parts of them that I don't like, it's like water off a duck's back. It's just like, okay, you know, I've gotten enough pleasure out of Star Wars that, I don't need it all to be perfect. I'm happy with them making tons of Star Wars movies because some of them will be good and some of them will be bad. And it's no big deal to me. Like, I I hear some people who, like, it's very, they take it very seriously. To me, I think you guys have the right approach, which is that Star Wars is supposed to be fun. And I think anyone who's getting really upset about Star Wars movies that they don't like, one or the other, I think needs to find other things I have good news. There are other things to be upset about, (laughs) especially now more than ever. You know, a few months ago, everyone was really mad about Rise of Skywalker. I don't hear very many people who are still angry about it because. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a lot of bigger stuff to be mad about. Also, I like that one. So, yeah, 
I, I liked it too. <laughs> yeah, I liked them too. I I really liked the last three movies because I think you're right. They did feel more like Star Wars movies than the first three. Yeah, and what's crazy is people get mad about stuff because they'll be like, how does Rey get her powers? And they'll be furious. And I'll be like, she gets her powers from <laughs> magic the way every other fucking character in this <laughs> movie. Like, I, the, the first thing I remember from a Star Wars movie still makes no sense to me because... Obi-Wan Kenobi, who has magical Jedi powers, he's fighting with Darth Vader, and he says, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And I remember thinking, like, why'd he give up? He could have, like, killed Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader kills him, and then we never see him become more powerful than he can. Like, all we see him do is his ghost hangs out in the swamp and lies and tells gossip. Uh, it's really <laughs> that's all he does he never becomes powerful again in a way that pays that off and one thing that nobody i never hear anybody talk about this okay in that first Darth, in the first star wars movie a new hope they have luke and leia and han and obi-wan they're all in the death star and they let them go they have a tractor beam they could just keep them in the, in the death star and kill them but they let them go and Grand Moff Tarkin says to Darth Vader, this plan of yours better work. And his plan basically being, we'll follow them back to their secret headquarters and we'll kill them. But instead, what happens is they go back to the secret headquarters, get their rebel army together and blow up the Death Star. And the only person who doesn't die is Darth Vader because he's flying around in his little ship. <laughs> so Darth Vader, who everyone says is the ultimate bad guy. If you follow the arc of his character, he's a screw-up when he's Anakin. It's his fault the Death Star blows up. He gets all of his co-workers killed, and then he gets promoted, which that is realistic. That is what happens in companies in the real world. But then he basically he like cuts his son's hand off, and then in the last movie, his son cries so hard that he kills his boss. And that's Darth Vader's arc as a villain. He's kind of a screw-up. I like that. These movies don't make sense. These movies are great. They make no sense. And they're not worth getting angry about. They're just But see, fun. that is the kind of perspective I really appreciate. Because I think, I mean, when we started this, we were so afraid that people were going to, like, mm -hmm. jump down our throats for having any negative opinions or just not understanding it. Yeah. But I think you're right. Like, it's just so much more fun to just go, this doesn't make sense. It's just a good time. Like, let's just talk about how it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. or enjoy the parts that are weird. And, and you guys yeah. said so many things in this podcast that didn't occur to me at the time where I'd be like, oh, right, that is weird. They only talk about that once or, like, it's weird that like Yoda always talks like that you know like things that I never <laughs> when he doesn't have to and I, I'll tell you what I think the worst the weirdest and worst thing that a character does in Star Wars that makes no sense to me is I don't understand why Obi there's that scene where Anakin says he jumps up and then Obi-Wan in one swoop chops off all his arms and legs <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is ridiculous. Uh -huh. I think that's so silly that someone, he's yes. like, don't jump at me. He goes, I'm going to jump at you. And then he chops off all his arms and legs. And then he's still, he's like uh -huh. madder than ever. And Obi-Wan, <laughs> after everything they've been through, Obi-Wan doesn't mercy kill him. He just walks away. Yes. Yeah. He leaves his friend there yeah. to just fall into the lava. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, does he ever, what I want to see is, I have an idea for what, I, they were talking about making an Obi-Wan series with Ewan McGregor. Ooh. And I think it should just be a series where he's trying to, ex people are asking him about what happened to Anakin. <laughs> and 
Like, I picture, like, it would be great if it was someone like Jason Manzukis just sitting on a bench next to Obi-Wan, like, saying, like, wait, so wait, so you left him? He cut off all his arms and legs, and then you left him there. I think that would be a great series, just people, like, trying to get him to explain, like, why would you leave him? Why wouldn't you just kill him? Yeah. Yeah? It's crazy. Oh, my God. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about the significance of May the 4th? Is it just because it sounds like May the 4th? Yes. Um, it's, it is, it is entirely a fan generated, like it's a grassroots holiday. And I think the first time that there's a record, this is what Wikipedia says about it. It's the first time someone made that like pun in a public way was when Margaret Thatcher became prime minister of the United Kingdom. The Tories took out an, out an ad that was like, may the fourth be with you, Maggie, because I guess the election had just happened. Oh, my God. Someone must have thought they were so clever oh. when they mm-hmm. made that up. Yeah. And <laughs> but the holiday itself is, I think, like it's roughly a decade old. And it started like there was some group in Canada that just had a big Star Wars party on May the 4th. And then it caught on. And by the time a couple years later, when Disney bought Star Wars, they sort of embraced it. And now it's like a real, like it didn't start with, star like Star Wars was built by the marketing and the toys. Like that that was what made people, they, that's what made them more than just movies to like my generation. And, and then it just like snowballed from there. But the holiday wasn't, it's not like one of these things like where the greeting card company invents a holiday to make money. Fans started it and then the, the, the moneymakers like, embraced it because they're like oh we can use this as a big because when i was doing my george lucas talk show at ucb uh our two big holidays every year would be may the 4th for star wars day and then life day in december would be our like (laughs) christmas hanukkah so i was like that's great to have like two big star wars holidays wait what day is life day do they actually say a date i don't think there's a i mean as you guys recently learned, these things took place a long time ago. So I don't know that we know. Yeah. Connor, it rocked my world. We were world. so confused. I love that. I love that the first thing they told you was the last thing you learned. Yeah, I truly, I have read aloud. Like when I watch the movies, I read the crawl and I Same. do not think I have registered that it was in the past. No. Yeah. I truly thought it was in the future because because it looks I futuristic. Mean, yeah. It looks futuristic, and then like my dumbass was like, "Well, we don't have lightsabers now." Yeah. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're learning that like societies crumble and then they rebuild. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we're learning that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I actually I have some trivia questions because I I do think that the, and these are. These are basic. This, I don't think there's anything super tricky here, but I think uh, I think you, I'm fascinated to see which things you've retained and which things uh, meant nothing to you. Okay, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. I don't think there. You know what? Here's the thing. I don't think there are wrong answers. It might seem like there are, but this is all this is all made up anyway. Like none and of is this. Is it multiple happened. choice? Nope. Nope. These oh, are okay. basic. I ask a okay. question. You tell me your answer. Okay. Okay. Who are the masters of the dark side who want to rule the galaxy? Oh, um, Darth Vader, Palpatine. That's correct. Again, no wrong answers. But what? What kind? What? There's a name for that kind of bad guy. What are the Sith bad Lord. guys? Yes, your answer was even Ooh, better yeah. than the answer that was on this, which was just the Sith. Sith. Oh Lords. my God, yeah. Sith Lord. You you got it. <laughs> I would not have gotten that. 
Well, I was really impressed with how you took off just naming people. I was like, oh, I'm out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know more You know more than you need to know. Yeah. Um, what color is Yoda's lightsaber in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? Green. Nicole? Nicole, well, do you think it's green? Blue. Is that your final answer? Maybe green. It's green. It's green. You both, you knew it. You knew it was green. <laughs> You knew it was green. Oh my god! You should layer in there who wants to be a millionaire type music under that yes. to make it really tense. Um, what What's the name of the bounty hunter who captures Han Solo? Who captures Boba? No, Lando Calrissian. <laughs> or Boba? F- Wait, Bo- who's Boba? No, Boba Fett died. Um, who captures Han Solo? What was the the name of the what? Who does what? What bounty hunter captures Han Solo? <laughs> Bounty hunter. Okay. Um. Oh wait, bounty hunter. I remember someone. I think it's Boba. Is it Boba Fett? Fett? It is. But you know, your journey to the answer is what's really fascinating. Oh my you know? god. <laughs> Why you, is it fascinating? I don't know. Because I just it's we're hearing you do the math. You're kind of like we. I can picture you sort of going through the story, and you're like, well, Lando betrayed him, and Boba died, and what does that mean? <laughs> and like you, these stories <laughs> live inside you now. You know. God, this is crazy. <laughs> it is so wild that I we know, know any stuff. of this. <laughs> yeah. Who was also known as Darth Sidious? See, this is hard. Yeah. Darth Sidious. Is it Palpatine? I think is Palpatine, Palpatine, but I feel like people have told us no, it's, it's Palpatine. not Palpatine. It's Palpatine. It's, oh, it is Palpatine. It's Palpatine. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. It's, that was a weird thing because, you know, when I was watching the movies, like Return of the Jedi came out, and you, you see the Emperor, and you've seen him before on the mm-hmm. little, the little, uh, Zoom or whatever he in the, the Empire Strikes Back. You no, know, you see him in the little video conferencing uh, hologram. Oh. But then you, <laughs> oh, but then you meet him full on in Return of the Jedi, and then you know, a, fifteen years later, they do another Star Wars movie, and you see a guy in a hood whose front of his face looks exactly like the Emperor, and they're like, "That's Darth Sidious," and you're like, "Well, it also looks like the pa- Senator Palpatine," and they're like, "Yeah," and then they act like that's a big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Two movies later, but it's like this is just the emperor, right? Like you're not he's not dressed differently. What is the name of the First Order's base in The Force Awakens? The Death Star. No, in The Force Awakens. Oh, Force Awakens oh. is more recent. They have a thing that's it's it's bigger than the Death Star and it has a specific name. Oh. Uh, uh Evil Base Camp. I honestly don't know. Hold on, hold on. Does it start with an M? No. Okay, then I don't think I know. <laughs> what do you think the M word would have been? Like like the word that's kind of like mitochondria, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of midichlorians, which yeah. are the blood disease that makes you a Jedi. Yeah. Uh, no, Starkiller Base. Oh, you were kind of close, oh. actually. Evil base, whatever you said, it sounds like the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evil base camp. <laughs> yeah, honestly, though, here's the weird thing about Star Wars. If you accidentally, like, guess a dumb name, it's not going to be that much dumber than the real name. That's true. Like, <laughs> Starkiller Base is the name of the thing that blows up planets. <laughs> you know, it's not. that's not really more sophisticated than evil base camp. <laughs> you have two more questions in this quiz. One of them I think is going to be really fun, and one of them I think you'll you'll ace it. So don't okay. you can stop being nervous at all. How many R two D two gadgets or abilities can you name? 
Oh, okay. Um, oh, I have um, nine of them listed here. I bet you're gonna come nine? up with one. I bet you're gonna come up with ones that either don't exist or I hadn't occurred to anyone okay, before. Okay, the ability to like project a holographic image. Mm-hmm. Yes, hollow projector. That's uh, one. The ability to sit on the outside of a spaceship and not completely fall apart, but also fix it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's covered under several of these. Um, uh, maybe translation. Um, that's no. not one of them listed, but that's also even if R2D2 can do that, that's really like C3PO's gig. He's a translator. What about mm-hmm. um, storage? Yeah, can you pop that top? Throw some shit in there? That's not listed, but it has to be. Storage. <laughs> Storage is amazing. That it's just like, yeah, I keep my CDs in there. <laughs> um, oh, it flies. Rocket booster, yes. Oh, good job. Um, Thank you. The ability to roll on sand or any type of um, mm-hmm. terrain. Yes. Motorized all-terrain treads. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one that you guys can use in your fan fiction. Retractable third legs. Whoa. Oh. He's a tripod. That's that's a dick. Yeah. A dick. Okay. <laughs> you put that dick right away. Save it for later. Um, I'll read through these are the these are the listings of uh, okay. Buzz Buzzsaw, Electric Pike, Fusion Welder, Data Probe, Power Recharge Coupler, and that's it. I don't even know what that Interesting. is. Interesting. Me either. But I feel impressed by our abilities. You know, he just does a lot of things. He's like a Swiss Army knife, you mm-hmm. know? And he never gets plugged in. None of them ever get plugged in. He might be either either solar powered or maybe space powered. Maybe just the atmosphere of space um, powers him. Oh. R2-D2 to me always seems like he's a built-in like plot uh, device that... Mm-hmm. Whenever they need to get out of trouble, they can always like plug him into something and he can like change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did we just get an A on that? <laughs> uh, well, well not, in, not until you answer this final question. Okay. Who played Mace Windu? Oh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Lauren? Same. 100%. And his lightsaber was purple. <laughs> That's right. For bonus points, that does, that brings you, that. That brings you up to 100%. Oh, my God. We just crushed that. That was actually yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Yes. I was excited to know things. Yeah. You know you know as much as any healthy person knows about Star Wars. That's amazing. I feel like I never would have even thought that by the end of this, I would retain anything. Same. Because <laughs> I do spend a lot of time looking at the movies being like, wait, what is happening? Yeah. Uh, John Milheiser, my roommate John Milheiser, will all the time have to explain things to me. Oh, yeah. Mike's always explaining stuff to me. And I feel like I, even if I'm paying very close attention, I'm still yes. like, what? Mm-hmm. And if I look at my phone, it's over. Yeah. yeah. Then I have to like rewind it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. I get yelled at. Nicole, it's not phone time yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel really good about that. All right, let's go to a break and we'll be right back and we're going to talk about Star Wars toys. 
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Ooh, do you want to make your mom smile? Start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brand she loves. And guess what? It's delivered with the same day with DoorDash. Get 50% off your next order of up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now on DoorDash. And the promo code is NEWCOMERS. Listen, moms are a gift. I know that best. So give her the best this Mother's Day. Select from hundreds of expertly crafted bouquets to the best of tech to self-care essentials delivered right to the door. Get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 plus on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with the code NEWCOMERS. That's NEWCOMERS. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Get a Mother's Day gift as unique as she is with DoorDash. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's Darth Vader, watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi. With R2-D2 and C-3PO. There's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. 
Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. We're back, and we're going to talk about toys now. (laughs) To get us up to speed on the history of Star Wars toys, we watched this fantastic documentary on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us, and we're going to link it in the episode description. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so great. Okay, so Connor, we're going to list some facts, and you can kind of fill us in with stuff you know Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But a new Star Wars film can gross over $1 billion in the worldwide box office. According to analyst estimates, a Star Wars movie year is worth five to seven billion in merchandising revenue. Yeah, that's crazy. It's so wild how much money these little toys make. Also, I liked in the documentary that um, they asked the CEO of Kerner, is that or Kenner, uh, how big the toy should be. And he just arbitrarily was like this big and held out his fingers and it turned out to be like three and a quarter inches or whatever. And I was like, his arbitrary throwing out a hand literally changed action figures for the, like the rest of time. I know. And I I actually really like how small they are compared, like when they Mm -hmm. show them compared to like Barbies and GI Joes and stuff, like it's really cute that they're so little. Mm -hmm. I feel like later GI Joes became small. Is that true? I think so. I think that's why GI Joes became smaller. And then like you got the little green army men, which maybe came out before Star Wars. I don't know. I think it's in the same world. Yeah. Here's another fact with the original Star Wars being an overnight sensation. Toys could not be manufactured in time for Christmas to avoid losing out on millions of dollars. Kerner, the toy company, sold people the early bird certificate package, an empty box containing a cardboard display of the toys with a certificate for kids to redeem the toys later on in the year. How genius. Yeah. It's so smart. And also, I noticed when they said, like, the Star Wars, the original Star Wars, they said came out in May. Yeah. Which I also thought was kind of good with May the Mm -hmm. 4th. Like, oh, it's kind of is tied to the original movie. Yeah. Um, But this is such a, like, an act of faith that this is going to work out for you to, like, just be like, we'll just give the kids a certificate. Like, Mm -hmm. And were kids excited? I really wonder what it was like to receive that early bird certificate package on Christmas Day. Did you get a certificate, Connor? No, because I would have been two at that point. So I wouldn't have understood Star Wars. Um, So by the time I saw it, toys existed. It was was 1978 was when I got into it. And I was three. I mean, one of the things that that documentary talks about is just the fact that, you know, Lucas... This no one could after Lucas, nobody else ever got the same deal he got because he was Oof. like, I want the merchandising and the sequel rights. And and they were like, fine, you know, and nobody thought the toys were going to be big. And they ended up changing the way that kids related to movies and, you know, like just the whole way that you would play with an action figure that was from a movie that you saw. It, it was such a huge thing. And that was what enabled him to basically build his Lucasfilm empire that allowed him to make the movies he wanted to make, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so innovative. If he didn't have the merchandising rights, Star Wars might not still be a thing. Yeah, like it's, I I just, I, I think it's so cool when people are like, take creative business risks mm-hmm. like that. Like it's, it's such an interesting move to to put the merchandising like so like I said that's such a high priority. Yeah. And it paid off so well, but like it makes total sense, but I feel like he had like a very childlike mind because mm-hmm. not every filmmaker is thinking about the toys that are going to be made. It's more like an afterthought. Well, yeah. in the documentary, it he had a shitty deal at first, right? Where Right, what was the $10,000? I feel Kerner like they brought that up a few times. Did Kenner, they were just locked in. Turner, they were Kenner. like locked into that company. Yeah. I think they were locked into that company for a long time. Yeah, but it was, but it, it was still him, not the studio that was making yes, the money. Yes, it was him, not the mm. studio. And it was he got 
I think it was a percentage of annual sales or a $10,000 check, but the toys were making like billions, millions of dollars at that point. So it was like a shitty deal. And then I thought it was really interesting in the documentary. He stopped. He didn't make another Star Wars movie for a very long time. So there was six years where they should have been cutting him a $10,000 check, but they didn't do that. So that voided the contract. So then when it came time to renegotiation, he was like, no, this will be the best deal in my interest. Yeah. And I think it's a good lesson. It's like, don't fuck over the creative. Yeah. Because yeah. they're the person who's making your content for you to make the toys. Yeah. It's yeah. also fascinating the way that when The Phantom Menace came out, they over licensed it. Yes. Everybody wanted to license buy the license to make <laughs> Phantom Menace merch. And a year later, they had all these like Jar Jar Binks toys that nobody wanted. <laughs> but Lucas had made the money off the licensing deals. But mm-hmm. like, you know, nobody wanted, there was just too much. And then Disney did it again with like Force Awakens, where if you went to a dollar store a year after the Force Awakens came out, you just see like, oh man, they just did, they, they were like dental floss picks with like Kylo Ren's picture on the bag and stuff, you know? Because everybody wanted to put Star Wars merch on their, you know, uh, stuff with Star Wars on the logo or the label. But do you feel like people interact with that differently now than they did in the 70s? Like, I feel like people don't need it as badly Mm -hmm. now. No, it's sort of like there's a. I mean, you have all the Star Wars stuff you could ever want now, but it was precious in the late 70s, early 80s, like every Star Wars thing felt like it was like an event, you know, when they came out with new toys and it's still, it's still a big deal, but there's, you couldn't possibly keep up with all of it now. You know, it would Mm -hmm. ruin you. If you, if you tried to buy every (laughs) Star Wars toy, you know, you'd have to be a billionaire to keep track of it and it would be exhausting. How about that guy? Ooh, I loved that guy. (laughs) Connor, what were you going to say? I cut you off. Oh, I'm actually at the moment because I'm, I'm, in Missouri and I'm self-quarantining with my parents in the house uh, that I you know, was in when I was in high school, I was looking for this thing I'm going to do on Star Wars Day. Um, all of my old Star Wars toys are in this house. And they're so damaged. Like, nothing, it's all been so heavily played with, mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes me feel really good. Like, I'm glad I don't have a longing to, like, wish that I'd kept them in mint condition like a collector. Yeah. I look at these things and I'm like, I have like Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker's X-Wing fighter. And it is just like beaten to death. <laughs> Will you take some pictures of it? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like something that I, uh, you know, exploded something around. It really is. Everything is beat up. And I'm like, that is a well played with toy. Mm-hmm. That was like worth, worth having. And. I think it would be really sad if I had it like, oh, and it's in its original box and it's, I yeah. never played with it, you know? As an aside, I mentioned Puppy Surprise in a previous episode with Mono, that which is the <laughs> toy that my aunt got me by sticking her hand in every puppy in Toys R Us to find the one with five puppies inside. And that was in this documentary. They just randomly showed it along with mm-hmm. like what other toys were selling in the 90s. Um, but how about the guy who has the pristine collection in his house? It's like, he has like a warehouse yes. full of these toys. And then he pulled out the, I think it was the Boba Fett toy that was worth $20,000. Yeah. Yeah. But then that didn't seem like enough to me. Yeah. Like so, not that I would ever pay that much for that, but like, it just seemed like 
It's what? the Boba Fett is the holy grail of Star Wars toys. The original action figure had a firing missile. It was briefly produced, but never actually sold because of choking concerns. After a three-year-old choked on a similar missile from a Battlestar Galactica toy, the toy can fetch over $150,000. Wow. But also, what child is launching a toy rocket into their mouth? What a dumb kid. <laughs> I can picture a lot of kids. Doing I would that. return that child. <laughs> I'd keep the toy, return the child. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. I mean, all the toys he had, I actually really wanted to walk through that guy's warehouse, yeah, right? wherever that it was. was. It seemed really interesting. And there is like some people get a pleasure more from like that guy's basically the curator of a little museum, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a different thing. But I think the 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 intention of those things is, you know, for a little kid to, you know, throw them around in the mud, and, mm-hmm. you know, really play with them. That to me, I wouldn't trade that experience for any amount of pristine merchandise as a collector you know totally and then what happens if you like are collecting all that stuff and then like he dies and then what like if his family sold it all would that be crazy and then also like sure he has a will where he's like so and so like you have to take care of this or but it's really interesting with a will you can't force people to do things in a will but i think if you if he put this like if he made it a museum, put it in an estate, then you can have an executor for your ex- uh, your estate, and then they kind of have to do what you want. I'm sure there are things he's. I'm sure that person has taken steps to make sure that people don't play with those toys. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, his family's probably very aware that mm-hmm. his ghost would haunt them. I wonder if he makes money like doing tour. Like, does he just have this insane collection? Well, that's what I wonder, too, because I'm like, how do you how is this sustainable? Yeah. You can't buy new ones unless you're giving tours and charging people to see it. Right. Like we got to get in there. I don't know what his job is, but yeah. And, you know, it's also like there are things that the value of them is, you know, as long as people still care about this world in these movies, you know, which, you know, that goes in cycles. You know, they they were going to put out a Star Wars movie every year and uh it was working because they were putting them out. Disney was putting them out every Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of became that thing where it's like, oh, at Christmas we see a Star Wars movie. And then they released Solo in May, like just a few months after The Last Jedi came out. And it was too much. It was like too soon. We just saw a Star mm-hmm. Wars movie. And then there was no Star Wars movie that Christmas. And and it's just one of those things where like the the popularity of Star Wars, it's always been big, but... You know, when I was in junior high, Star Wars had sort of gone away. It was sort of like there weren't new toys. There were, It wasn't a thing that was, you know, uh, popular with new kids that were coming up, you mm-hmm. know, and then it became popular again. I'm sure it will go away and come back, you know, various points. Nicole, there's a toy for you on this document. Oh, it yes. is the Jar Jar Binks Push Pop <laughs> Lollipop, which basically means you deep French uh-huh. Jar Jar to eat this thing. His Not mouth even is deep wide open. French, you suck on his tongue. You suck his tongue. I've never had my tongue sucked, and I don't think I'd like it. Mm, yeah, I mean, I I don't think I have either. <laughs> Connor, have you had your tongue sucked? I don't recall. If I have, I've forgotten it. And it doesn't seem like something First one would forget. First we ask if you shared underwear, and then we ask if anyone sucked your tongue. Is this a normal podcast? <laughs> We're asking the hard-hitting questions. Wait, Nicole, I also had, like, I had another thought about Oprah and Gail, which is that I actually, I assume they have so many, like, people that let screen emails before they get to them that I bet they mm. never saw it, but I bet that there's, like, some sort of criteria they're working off where they go, no, they just don't do podcasts. 
Lauren, thank you. That brings me joy yeah. to think that they ne- that they themselves don't even know we asked. I think that really is the answer, though. I was thinking like, oh, no, for sure. They just don't. They get a million requests. So there's someone who has to field them. And so they don't tell them about every single thing. And yeah, they just don't know. Thank you. Yeah. That makes me feel good. But you still got the no. So it's like you kind of get the best of both worlds. (laughs) How would you feel if you knew that they got into a fight over it, that one of them wanted to do it and the other (laughs) one didn't? And they were like, wait, but we're best friends. I would love it. I would really love it because Sashir and I will fight over things a lot. We just got into a fight because she said she would leave me behind in a zombie apocalypse. And I really took offense to that. (laughs) Yeah, that's no good. Right? I'll tell you a thing that I used to do as a kid with Star Wars toys when one of my favorite things when I was little is when I would play with the toys, there were all these characters that didn't do a lot in the movies. Mm-hmm. And I felt like if I was playing with like Luke or Leia or Darth Vader, they had to behave the way the characters behaved. Mm-hmm. But I could give like crazy personalities to like a droid that we saw like walk in the background <laughs> of one scene. So I could make those characters whatever I wanted. That's fun. So, like, I remember playing with... You remember there's the guy who works for uh, Lando Calrissian? He's the bald guy with, like, the weird headset. No. No. Lobot is his name. And he's, oh, I do he's, remember the name Lobot. He's... Or there was, like, the bounty hunter who's all covered in bandages. Hmm. Like a mummy? There's, like, these weird characters. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. There's, the one, there's, there's a character know. called uh, Ponda Baba. Who, he's the one in, in A New Hope who um, uh, picks a fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi in the in the creature cantina. He's the one who, he has like, looks like he has a peach in his mouth. And he's like, rrr, rrr, and then it's like, my friend doesn't like you. <laughs> and I always thought it looked like he had a butt coming out of his mouth. We watch these movies and truly have no idea who you're talking this about. Is, and that one's like right up our alley. Yes. Yeah. Like someone with a butt peach yes. coming out of their mouth. Like, yeah, we would have talked about that. He's a butt peach coming out of his mouth. And he was like in the bar and he's like, Rrr. and then his friend says to Obi-Wan, my friend doesn't like you. And he's like, I don't like you either. And then Obi-Wan cuts his arm off. Hmm. Hey, man. That That's sounds cool. exciting. And I truly <laughs> found A New Hope not exciting. But that character, his his name on the toys originally was Walrus Man. And that was just a name that the, the toy company, like some guy looked at him and was like, this guy looks like a walrus. He's Walrus Man. <laughs> and then later, Lucasfilm renamed him Panda Baba. And I do not acknowledge the name Panda Baba. I'm like, that's Walrus Man. (laughs) I think it's so great that somebody just, like, it's another thing of, like, Lucas and control, which is, like, he even lost control of the name of one of his characters, where, like, he released the movie and some guy in the toy factory was like, this guy's named Walrus Man. (laughs) And it's, oh, I have a thing you guys will love. Oh. Google, Google this. C-3PO erection. Oh, we've seen that. We've seen that. (laughs) You Google this already? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I'll Google it again. But I love that you knew we would love that. Yeah. I mean, truly, I I like anything slightly sexual about Star Wars. Yeah. I wonder. There's there's probably a lot of Star Wars porn, right? There was. I believe there was Star Wars pornography that was made pretty early on. And I remember reading that there was sort of a. Like, people who were working for Lucasfilm would kind of, like, 
they they thought it was really funny that there was Star Wars porn, but they were like, "Don't make sure you're not caught like talking about it or joking about it in front of George." Oh, he, like George Lucas famously like he loves spoofs and jokes and comedy about Star Wars, but I don't. He just doesn't like nasty sex stuff, you know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and by, by nasty sex stuff, I mean like anything sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a fun story I read in the New York Times recently that was um, Mort Drucker, who was this uh, amazing caricature artist who did all the spoofs for uh, Mad Magazine, who died recently. And in his obituary, it talked about how when Empire Strikes Back came out, Mad Magazine did a parody of it. And then they got a letter from Lucasfilm's lawyers saying you have to re- recall this issue. You you don't have the right to uh, do this. You've like crossed the line in the way you've satirized Star Wars. And they responded by sending the Lucasfilm lawyers a letter that they had received a month earlier from George Lucas asking if he could buy the artwork <laughs> because he loved the spoof so much. And he compared the artist to Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> and so they just sent this letter back to lawyers saying like, I think we're okay. Oh my God. Uh, I like George Lucas. He seems pretty wild. I love George Lucas. What is he doing now? He's just like living off his billions of dollars? No, he is making a museum in LA that is uh, the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art. If you go to lucasmuseum.org, it's basically like a museum of art that has to do with storytelling. And I think he's going to like shove a bunch of his like collection of old. Norman Rockwell paintings and cartoon and comic art and uh, movie posters. And if you go to the website, the first painting that comes up is a is a concept painting of Gungan City where uh, Jar Jar lives. <laughs> Which I think is, that is George Lucas trolling people. That is him like... Put the fir- have the first thing be Jar Jar's hometown. Put that oh on the museum. Oh my god, Nicole, you need that as a Zoom background. Ooh, I oh. haven't even looked at it. Wait, what is what is the? Remember when Jar Jar gets in trouble and they say Jar Jar, you in big doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but I'm happy that happened. Yeah. Okay, wait. Can we talk about like what toys? Is there any toy you wish you had, Connor, or something that you would want now? Because I personally want the Ewok Tree mm-hmm. Village. I want that. I have it. And I looked on eBay, and it's like hundreds. Oh my god, really? I have it. It's here in the house. I haven't been able to find it yet, but it's in one of the boxes. I have That's the Ewok awesome. Village. It's really fun. It's was great. there any toy that you didn't get as a kid that you really wish you got? Um. I'm sure there were Star Wars toys that I wanted and didn't get, but I'm trying to. Th- I think there was a there was a toy that came out of the Death Star, but it's really bad. It was like the in the first wave of toys. So by the time I was like getting toys, it was already like unavailable. Mm-hmm. But if you Google it, it's so not fun in a way because it's basically like a cross section of like a slice of the Death Star. <laughs> so you if you look up a picture of this toy you have to have a real good capacity for like abstract thought to think of this as the death star mm-hmm. it's like if you took a slice of a piece of cake out and had to picture the whole cake <laughs> but what about that one that he has in the documentary where the guy's like holding it by the base with his fist it was like a huge i think it was mm-hmm. the death star i think it was, no no it was um it was uh, Hans Hans's ship, the oh. Run Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon. Good Lord. Yeah. What I really like about the way you guys have retained knowledge at different priority <laughs> levels, <laughs> like you're struggling 
to remember the name of the Millennium Falcon, which is in almost every Star Wars movie and talked about constantly. But if someone's like, what color is Mace Windu's lightsaber? You're like, purple. (laughs) Well, purple's Nicole's favorite color. It is. Yeah. But it is just like, that's part of the fun of this is that you find what you like. I actually think that's one of the best parts of Last Jedi which I think is one of the smartest Star Wars films in terms of truly understanding what Star Wars is about thematically. And I think at the end of that movie where uh, Rose says, this is about uh, saving what you love, not not fighting what you hate, mm-hmm. that it really is also a... Um, the end And the end of that movie where you see the kids basically playing with Star Wars toys, it's thematically understanding what the value of Star Wars is to a person, particularly... As you, and it's particularly as you grow from a child to an adult, or you, you guys are still in the child phase of experiencing Star Wars, even though you've experienced <laughs> it as adults, where it's like new and fresh to you. But I think the most important thing about Star Wars is like find what you like in it and hold on to that and try to find some humor in the things you don't like because it, there's no sense in getting upset about it. Um, there's plenty of Star Wars, and if you don't like any of it, Good news. There's the rest of human culture. Uh, You know, you don't have to. Nobody says you have to like Star Wars. I remember talking to someone. I think it was Kevin Hines. I was talking to Kevin Hines after Force Awakens came out. And we were in we were in the dressing room at the UCB theater in Chelsea. And he was sort of saying, like, yeah, I liked it, but I feel bad because I feel like I'm supposed to like it more. And I was like, Kevin. We are men in our 40s. <laughs> it's it's okay. You don't need to feel guilty because you don't like the thing you liked when you were five as much yeah. as you liked it then. Yeah. Like, you can grow up and move past these things. And still, like, mm-hmm. revere them and be happy about yeah, them. Yeah, and you can still, yeah. like, some people are like, I liked them when I was a kid and I don't have any time for them now. And, and then they just hold on to that fond, warm little memory mm-hmm. of it. And some people, like me... I'm excited when when you guys watch The Mandalorian. I'll tell you this. The, I think the second episode of The Mandalorian, without spoiling anything at all, I reached a point where I was watching that episode where I realized I felt more like I did as a little kid watching Star Wars than I had felt in a long time, oh. even having enjoyed all the Disney movies. It just felt like it took me to a place where... They were telling the kind of weird story that I used to make up when I was six. Like there's it's a funny, unpredictable sort of in some ways, goofy, crazy episode. And I'm like, this is what I used to do with like the sea level characters. I would have them go through a thing like this. Well, I'm excited to watch The Mandalorian because we're going to watch The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, the Ewok movies, and then... Hopefully Disneyland. The Ewok movies, I think, are a special treat for you guys, hopefully, because here's the good news. Each of them is about 90 minutes long. Okay. That's so it's like that's been your consistent cry. That's been your consistent cry through these, even with the ones you liked, where you're like, I wish this was 90 minutes. And every time I heard you say that, I thought, you got Ewok movies coming up that are just Ewoks, (laughs) wall-to-wall Ewoks. It's all practical because they're so low budget. That's what I like. I have a DVD of them that came with a sticker that said, these are the Star Wars movies they don't want you to see. Oh, my God. And <laughs> That's funny. They're the only ones that you can't really see widely now. They, they were on Amazon Prime a few months ago. I don't know when they'll ever show up on Disney+. Plus. 
but they're just goofy, you know? Like, one of them has the same narrator who narrates Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer TV special. It's Burl, Bill, uh, Burl, Burl, Burl Ives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The oh guy who sings, God. like, the guy, the snowman from Rudolph, who's like, let me tell you a story about Rudolph. He's <laughs> he's the same guy who's like, here's a story about the Ewoks. And then Wilford Brimley is in the second one. I'm really excited for those. I'm Honestly, excited I know for those are right up my alley. Wait, how many Ewok movies are there? Yeah, wait, that's a good question. Two. Two. Okay, so it's okay, also okay. like they quit while they're ahead. They don't even make you watch a trilogy of them. It's just like we made two and now we're done. And then how many episodes like are in The Mandalorian? I think there's like eight, but I think that's going to go for a long time. I think that's so popular that that'll be the way that Star Wars exists for a while. Also, is there a Mandalorian? Because I was pretty disappointed in Rogue One that there was no actual Rogue One. <laughs> I love when you ask that. Which Who is the Rogue One? <laughs> I was devastated to find out that it was just the ship. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's the she's the rogue one. I think. I think um, um, Jin is. Uh, uh, oh, is that her name? I always forget the names too. Well, I was calling her Jen, but then I think it's Jin. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm doubting it because I've heard you doubt it. I'm like, wait, what is her name? I don't know. I so say, bad with names. I, I. It's really hard. Everyone has an insane name, or their names are like. Yeah. Wong Wong Babaloo Do yeah. or like George. Yeah. And it's very confusing. <laughs> and do you know that Jabba the Hutt has a son? No. Who's that? And do you know what his name is? His name is Stinky. <laughs> Stop. That is like that is like the the Wookiee yes. the Life Day movie with yes. like everyone being like chubby scratchy and, and scratchy itchy. and itchy and lumpy or whatever. Yeah. So funny. I am with you guys. I actually you know what I actually think? I know this is an illegal idea, but I know that there there are people who have pitched making another holiday special, and I don't know that that any corporation would approve the right kind of holiday special. I almost feel like a bunch of comedians should just go underground and make a Star Wars holiday special. I would love it. Oh my god, I would love you that. Know, That'd be so fun. It's very Pee esque. Like it has a lot of like. Uh-huh. weird elements that I just think are funny and great. I, th- I think we should just do it because I think it should be crazy and weird and unexpected. And I think the beautiful thing about the holiday special is it's the second thing to come out. And what it tells you is like, don't be precious with this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all nonsense. Sometimes it's great. I think there are moments in Star Wars that I find emotionally powerful. Yeah. And there are lessons that are learned that that and there are characters we care about and stories that are compelling. And I think sometimes it's garbage and it (laughs) makes no sense. And those parts are also great because one thing you can say about the Star Wars prequels is they're not lacking in ambition. The Attack of the Clones was shot using the best possible technology at the time. And it was the most ambitious effects movie that had ever been made. And you know what I found out recently? Apparently it was shot in like, like, you know how like your TV is like uh, 1080p or whatever? It's mm-hmm. like, that's the setting that that movie was shot at. So you could, there were telephones that you could make a, a higher resolution movie on now than, than that <laughs> movie was made on. Because they were just pushing it to the max. And so like George Lucas may have like, he may have like flopped a bunch of times, but it was always because he was trying something weird and cool. Yeah. I mean, I maintain Jar Jar is the most interesting character in the universe of Star Wars. I like Babu Frick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like Babu Frick. 
here was the problem that I had with the prequels, <laughs> if I think back on it, is that to me, what it was great about the first three Star Wars movies is that you have to have a character who doesn't want to be in a Star Wars adventure. And that guy's got to make jokes through the whole movie. That's basically Han mm. Solo. He spends the first three movies going like, this is nonsense. I don't want to do this. I, I got to get out of here. And he kind of he kind of takes the, the air out of it. He sort of like uh, undercuts everything mm-hmm. and makes jokes. He makes fun of everybody. And you needed a character. Like, I always think that what the Phantom Menace was lacking, I, I think if I went back to ni- the late 90s and someone was like, you can do one thing. To, to change the Phantom Menace, I would say put Vince Vaughn in it as a guy <laughs> yeah. who doesn't want to be in charge of <sighs> anything. And yeah. I want to see Vince Vaughn interact with Jar Jar. I want to see him say stuff like, Jar Jar, shut up. You need to stop talking. Jar Jar, please. That Jar Jar, would be amazing. amazing. I think you're right because, like, not that Jar Jar was Chewbacca, but, like, kind of, or could have been, like, Chewbacca, and yeah, I think that's that is what it was missing. He just needed a he needed a straight man. Jar Jar was this was this unusual character, and all the people around him were kind of these stiffs who were just like mm-hmm. Jar Jar, stop talking. That's like <laughs> right. come on, like play like return the serve. Like Jar Jar just stepped in some <laughs> shit, and he's talking about how bad it smells here, and he's he's, he's like so Wee-ah! over the top, yeah. <laughs> You you need a character who can hold his own against Jar Jar. And I wish, I think the worst thing in the prequels is that they backed off of Jar Jar because the, the here's a fun little piece of trivia that when George Lucas wrote the script for Attack of the Clones, the first draft that he, he like gave to people to read, he called it Jar Jar's Big Adventure. <laughs> which is really funny because it shows an awareness that it's like here's what I know what people didn't like that's so funny it's really funny I wish he had leaned into it and made Jar Jar a bigger part of it and figured it out instead of like backing off from Jar Jar you know I agree me too <sighs> I want them to make another Jar Jar thing I think I think that is the true challenge for both Disney and any artist who really wants to bring their A-game to Star Wars in this coming decade. Somebody, the person who cracks how to make a Jar Jar thing, <laughs> and it should be with Ahmed Best because he is Jar Jar and he's the one who put in the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not, I wouldn't be down to recast him with anybody. I want the voice to say the same and I want the character to say the same. But I think that if someone said... You get to make a Star Wars thing. I would be like, I want to do a Jar Jar movie, and we're going to make it great. We're going to make people go back and watch Phantom Menace and be like, I like Jar Jar now. Well, hopefully it happens in 2021. Connor, I think we've come to the end. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Well, the only project that I have that seemingly can continue uh, in this uh, new world that we're in is my podcast, Dead Eyes. Um you can find out about that. It's the it's about me getting fired by Tom Hanks from Band of Brothers, and it's so funny. And uh, we're continuing with that on Headgum. And uh, actually, right now as we record this, um, I am getting ready to go to sleep for a few hours because I'm going to be doing a Star Wars Day George Lucas sh- talk show uh, watch along which will be on a, uh, at planetscum.live, which is the Chris Gethard Presents Twitch stream. And Griffin Newman, who plays Watto in my George Lucas talk show, he and I are going to watch 
all 14 Star Wars movies mm-hmm. in chronological story order, which means we start with the prequels and then we <laughs> watch Rogue One, Solo, A New Hope, The Holiday Special, Empire Strikes Back, and then the two Ewok movies, which take place before Return of the Jedi, and then oh the Disney God. movies. And it's going to take 30 plus hours. Oh, um, this sounds so deadly. We're going to stay in character the whole time. Oh, boy. I, I'm really I wish you, you well. Um, and uh, Connor and also it'll be pro- archived, so you can, yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, you provided us with a clip of Nicole's appearance on your George Lucas talk show from 2015, where uh, Connor quizzes Nicole on Star Wars. So we're going to put that at the end of the episode for your listening pleasure. And did you have something else you wanted to say about your live stream? Yeah, just that it's it'll be archived unless it's a complete disaster and and uh, <laughs> and then we'll and then we'll bury it like the holiday special. But we'll get our little fingies on it. I really love the holiday special. I, yeah. I do too. It's so good. I honestly watched clips of it with friends recently. And by friends, I mean the two people who live in my fucking house because I haven't seen anybody. Yeah, I actually feel like it'd be really cute to celebrate Life Day like as a fun holiday. It seems like really um, like a fun little tradition. I like that. And I want to I want to because I know you guys were really disturbed by Harvey Corman in the in the holiday special. Which one's that? He's the one who played the robot, the droid chef. That was wild. Yeah. Then he was also the guy who was like putting together that like malfunctioning equipment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really think the next time you revisit those, cause I get the feeling this is going to be the one star Wars thing that you guys keep returning to, <laughs> to rewatch. I think when you watch those things, it sort of anticipates like adult swim. Oh yeah. Yes. Cause it's just like little clips. It's, it's a little bit Tim and Eric, you know, like yeah. yes. it, it, it's, it's very ahead of its time. I have a question, Connor. Maybe you know the answer to this. Yeah. Diane Carroll, when she is singing to, I think to the grandpa, is is this like his type of porn? Is he like jerking it in the living room? I don't think there's any other interpretation that makes sense. <laughs> like, okay. so sick. I don't think I I don't think he's watching it because he likes like song and dance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's like I love this song. I think he's like I remember when I was young. Before my wife died. Yeah, it's really weird. That it's was so honestly strange. so disturbing. I, that's yeah. the part I showed to people. Yeah, that one's it's it's fascinating that they did that. That someone's in that costume, like mm-hmm. imagining the horniness and all. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh lord, it's, it's brazenly sexual for a Star Wars thing. Uh, I can only imagine that that sequence must have horrified George Lucas when he saw it. Yeah, that it's like. Chewbacca's grandfather is horny. Yeah. That's a nightmare. (laughs) He's made one movie and he let one thing happen. It's like, yeah, we got Chewbacca's dirty grandpa is here. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, Okay. Now this is our segment we call the five star, the five star Wars segment. I wanted to put the emphasis on the right Mm -hmm. word where we read five star reviews that you have given us. Nicole, would you like to read this one? You want me to take it? Sure. Okay. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is from NASCAR Geek on Apple Podcasts. I consider myself to be in the upper echelon of ultimate Star Wars nerds. I was just moved to a temporary essential position assembling COVID-19 test kits, and I discovered this podcast as an escape from depressing work. I am absolutely addicted to Lauren and Nicole's childlike wonder of the movies, their hoff takes, and all <laughs> the obscure and odysseys of the universe are totally 
are accurate and 100% certifiably hysterical. It has been wonderful to listen to you build from hating everything about Star Wars to slowly appreciating the lore and finding excitement in each chapter. Thank you for all the laughs. Oh, that was so nice. That was well, nice. Uh, go leave us a review, especially if you like this. Give it five yes. stars and tell us a little bit about you. That was kind yes. of fun how personal that was. That was very nice. Also... You listen to the podcast, so thank you very much for assembling those test kits. Yes, that's thank truly you. very important. And um, Nicole mentioned this, but we have four episodes left, so we're going to cover the Ewok movies, the Mandalorian series, the Clone Wars, and then we're going to hopefully go to Disneyland someday if we're ever allowed to, so that mm-hmm. will be the last episode if it ever is possible again. And Nicole, do you have anything you want to plug before we go? Yes, my other podcast, Best Friends, Why Won't You Date Me, uh, Drag Her, and then um, 90 Day Bay, where I'm recapping 90 Day Fiance with uh, Marcy Jaro. That's on Patreon. And I have a book coming out June 2nd called Hashtag Very Fat, Very Brave, The Fat Girl's Guide to Being Brave and Not a Melancholy Down in the Dumps Weeping Fat Girl in a Bikini. (laughs) I'm so excited about your book. It looks so amazing. I will send you one. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Um, I would like to plug my movie coming to Netflix on May 13th called The Wrong Missy. It stars me and David Spade. Um, check it out. Please give it a watch. Let it play the whole way through. Just do that. Um, and it helps everyone. So, you know, yes, let movie every stream eat. counts, even if your eyeballs are not on it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and if you, you really, can- if you really like it, then you should have it just play every day when you're doing other things you can yes. leave the room and let it yes. play <laughs> and um, you can follow my Patreon patreon.com slash Lauren Lapkus I'm doing improv I'm also doing a lot of watch alongs to both Star Wars movies and uh, reality TV so there's something for everyone mixed in there and uh, you can sync it up with the TV and feel like you have friends over during this stay at home order that we're all living under and uh, you can also follow my other podcast, Freedom. And, you know, Oprah listed it on, on her list uh, along with Nicole's other podcast. So, you know, you, it, you know it's good. And Oprah listens to them every day. So <laughs> that's a great thing. Uh, and that's all I want to plug. So thanks. And we're very excited to kind of start wrapping this up. It's been an amazing journey. Wow. There's still mm-hmm. We still have a lot to watch here. So, so I'm, much I'm not to feeling watch. this is near the end. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little sad that you guys are like you can see the end in sight, you know? <laughs> I mean, when we first started A New Hope, I, I we said it on the podcast, I was like, should I tell Lauren this is an awful idea and we did bad? I thought but, the uh, same thing. Now, super deep into it, it felt like I was like, oh, I'm going to be watching these movies for the rest of my life. And now it's like, oh, I guess it will end soon. I know. It's so crazy. We really did look at each other and confess that we both wanted to quit after watching the first movie. But I'm glad we stuck with it. And I feel like we've we clearly have learned a lot. We, we aced that trivia mm-hmm. quiz. We did. So, I mean, I'm 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 enjoying this. And I and I feel like it is coming into play like in ways that I don't expect in my life or I'm referencing Star Wars in improv mm-hmm. scenes or in conversation. I'm like, I'm shocked. But it's been interesting. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Connor. This was an amazing thank episode. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure to listen along to your journey and to hear the way you process it. Has it been in its own way as fun as rewatching the movies? Because your reactions are so personal to you, you know? Well, thank you for listening. Yes, thank you so much. All right. That's it. May the fourth be with you. Oh, yes. That's how we should end it. May the (laughs) fourth be with you. (laughs) 
Star Wars is about, roughly. That's a fun game. Right? So the first one, so episode four, episode four was the first called. What's it called? Jordan? What's it called? No, I want to know yeah, what Nicole thinks it's called. <laughs> Tell me if you hate this and we'll talk about anything else. No, it's fine. It's, uh, well, I know one is like Revenge of the Sith, so maybe it's like the <laughs> Sith is coming. <laughs> Star Wars, episode oh. four, the Sith is coming. Well, if, I, if I could do it, especially if I had the right to change one of that, the Sith is coming. Well, yeah, because the other one's the Revenge of him, right. or maybe the Sith is gonna fuck shit up. Yeah, MPAA won't allow you to use that. <laughs> uh, so you wanna know that you just wanna know what I think the title yeah. is. That's it. That's fun. So wait, this Revenge of the Sith is That's the third one. That's episode three. Oh, shit. The sixth movie, but the third Okay, story. so I think the first one is called Get Ready. <laughs> first one's called The Phantom Menace, so it's kind oh. of almost like a parenthetical, get ready for oh, the, the Phantom, Phantom Menace. Menace. And then the second one is He Came, that Phantom Menace. <laughs> Phantom Menace is gone at that okay. point. Yeah. Uh, I never explained what the Phantom Menace was. Uh, look for it, it's a funny Easter egg. Uh, the second one's called Attack of the, the Drones. Clones. <laughs> so great, so close. That's so great. Uh, Wait, no. Nicole, I have a question. So the, the, the first one, the four through six, uh, there's a major twist. Is Do you know what this twist Spoiler is? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Really, you, should, you should know. Is this where the bunhead lady's fucking her brother? <laughs> is that part of it? Uh, it's, it, it is part it's related of it. to it. Or is that when the black man gave birth to white people and they're all okay with it? I think that's right. <laughs> so wait, in the very first one, is Luke, I am your father? No, that's... That's the, the second movie, but the fifth story. Jesus! Why did you do this? <laughs> that was a HeadGum Podcast.